0: I just come before the throne of grace for just one moment. Lord God, eternal Father, as we open your word, please open our ears that we may hear and receive wisdom from on high. May we be found diligent in our reading. Hear and hearing, may we seek faithful understanding so that our hopes may be above all things firmly founded upon you alone. Amen. Turn with me, please, to John chapter 14. John chapter 14, beginning at verse 15. This is a most glorious, most wonderful text that we are looking at today. John 14, beginning at verse 15. If you love me, you will keep my commandments, and I will ask the Father, and he will give you another advocate counsellor to be with you forever forever and not to the world. Jesus Jesus answered him, If anyone loves me, he will keep my word, and my Father will love him, and we will come to him and make our home with him. Whoever does not love me does not keep my words, and the word that you hear is not mine, but the Father's who sent me. These things I have spoken to you while I am still with you, But the Helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all that I have said to you. Peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. Not as the world gives do I give to you. Let not your hearts be troubled, neither let them be afraid. You have heard me say to you, I am going away and I will come to you. If you loved me, you would have rejoiced because I'm going to the Father, for the Father is greater than I. And now I have told you before it takes place, so that when it does take place, you may believe. I will no longer talk much with you, for the ruler of this world is coming. He has no claim on me. But I do as the Father has commanded me, so that the world may know that I love the Father. Rise, let us go from here. Let us pray again. O Lord, we have read, we have heard your word. We humbly ask for illumination of your word by your spirit. Comfort us, O Lord, and grant willing strength to receive your word so that by it our lives may be conformed in faithfulness to you. Amen. Congregation. I want to start with a little illustration. George. George was a crazy old dude, if I can use that vernacular from the pulpit for a moment. He was a man known for very few words. But he had not presented for public worship for some time. That's another way of saying he didn't attend uh, public worship. It was a cold winter's night. When two elders knocked on his doors to visit with him, (coughs) George invited them in and bid them to sit in front of the open fire. The three sat quietly for some time, not a word spoken. Suddenly one elder got up, picked up the fire tongs, took a hunk of burning coal out of the fire, placed it in front of the fire, and the three men just sat and watched it. It didn't take very long. It did not take long before the fire gradually expired. All that was left was coal and some ash. He sat a little longer. Suddenly George turned around to his visitors and said, Brothers, thank you so much for this message. I've heard it. The visitors prayed, warmly embraced George and just left. Saints, a warm fire requires the critical mass of more than just one coal, lest the flames go out. I hope this illustration touches you as we start on today's exploration, a walk through the text. Jesus' words recorded in John 15 verse 4 say, abide in me and I in you, as the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. Let us note this in the context of chapter 14 that we are looking at a part of today. The elect of Christ, you and I, we live in a hostile world a world that is daily becoming more hostile, where the the spirit of fallen man thunders upon us, its message against Christ and his kingdom continually. In this context, Jesus' word says to us, do not let your heart be troubled. Believe in God, believe also in me. Jesus well knew the arduous troubles that lay ahead for his disciples. Troubles that would torment their lives, but all for the sake of the glory of the risen Christ. He knew that they would face certain conflict and death at the hands of hostile and ungodly men. Saints, we are so apt to believe that we have a comfortable place in the world. We're not under attack until we really feel it in a particular circumstance. But believe me, the scriptures teach us we are constantly under attack. And we need to be comforted in that. We need to turn to Christ continually because he is our only help. He is our rock, the rock of our salvation and our comfort always. Great distress awaited his disciples. Jesus taught them the remedy to all their conflict, to all the pain and anguish they would suffer. And he teaches us that lesson continually. He led them to the only comfort that would help. We need that comfort, particularly when troubles assail us in life. Peace in the midst of turmoil and conflict requires great comfort. When hardship, calamities, disease, illness, when all hope seems lost due to circumstances that we have no control over, that overpower us, Jesus says simply, Do not let your heart be troubled. Abiding in Jesus takes much practice, much determination, much discipline and commitment. How shall we do this? You and I, all of us, need the comfort of the Holy Spirit, and we must daily increase our determination to walk after Jesus' ways. That's what it takes to keep His commandments. We can't keep them. He keeps them. Listen, when you read Exodus 20, how does God's, how is God's law presented to his people? He, thundering from on high, says, I am the Lord your God. Note he doesn't say, I can be the Lord your God. He says, I am the Lord your God. I redeemed you. I took you out of Egypt by my strong right hand. And therefore we must look at the Ten Commandments as ten promises that in Christ we truly shall have no other gods, no false images. We shall not take his name in vain. We shall know Sabbath rest. We have the promise. That promise is so precious, Saints. Only Jesus kept the commandments. We are transgressors daily in thought word. Indeed, we just confessed that this morning. Our text informs us that the world cannot have a knowledge of the comforter because the eyes of men are blind unless by an act of divine grace from on high our hearts are opened up to the message of the gospel. The gospel is Jesus did it all. We do nothing. We bring our filthy rags, our broken hearts, our pains and our anguish before him, and he gives us the balm of Gilead to heal all our diseases. Those who know the spirit are comforted beyond all measure. We can withstand the conflict of the world. As we look at the text today, our passage has three sections. We'll look at those three sections. The first is the promised comforter. That's what it talks about. That's verses 15 to 18. The next verses, 19 to 24, speak to us about the comfort of divine presence. And the last deals with the gift of peace. Speaking to the promised comforter, in verse 15, Jesus says, if you love me, keep my commandments. We, like the disciples, love Jesus and yet are influenced by superstitious and speculative reasoning. How then shall we get clear light on this text? Can we earn salvation by keeping God's commandments? No way. Just not gonna happen. Calvin rightly said, our minds are factories of idolatry. The disciples sought to maintain the physical company of Jesus. Our passage, John 14, 15, 16, amplifies to us that the disciples wanted to keep Jesus with them while he blessed them and while he comforted them. They were were fearful of his departure. Jesus bids his disciples... that they need his continual presence and he will fulfill that. This narrative is about the comforter, our advocate with the Father. He bids his disciples to occupy themselves keeping his commandments. You know what? He tells them to do what they cannot do because only he can do it for them. show that even with the greatest dedication of love for Jesus, our love is not without sinful inclinations. Our love for Jesus must be driven out of perfect obedience. Jesus' instruction to keep his commandments should govern our lives like a governor stops a truck engine from over-revving. Out of the love of the Father in the work of Jesus, the commands of the Father are kept perfectly. Out of the love of Jesus the Son, for those whom the Father has given him, even before the foundation of the world, he merits the determination of the Father that we keep his commandments. We merit nothing. Greater love is not possible. Jesus laid down his life to pay for our transgressions, to settle the debt of sinful man so they are declared righteous before him. Let's turn to verse 16. And I will ask the Father and he will give you another helper to be with you forever. Though Jesus is physically absent from us, And like his disciples, we may languish for his physical presence. I hope that's the case for us anyhow. He assures us that the comforter will provide the strength and the means by which we keep his commandments. We see that the comforter is with us to help us in our shortfall of conformity to his standards. We should take note of Paul's reflection here. 1 Corinthians 10.13, no temptation has overtaken you. That is not common to man. God is faithful, and he will not let you be tempted beyond your ability. But with the temptation, he will also provide the way of escape that you may be able to endure it. The gift of the Father is the comforter. Jesus gave his disciples great comfort. He is the comforter. His disciples were greatly comforted in his presence but now he is about to leave them and before he departs to go to the Father he promises another comforter the Holy Spirit who proceeds from Jesus to comfort the saints he is with us to preserve the saints even while they endure the vicious attacks and assaults of the evil one he is our, Jesus is our comforter, mediator, and intercessor. Jesus secures from the Father the grace of the Spirit. But given that he is God, he gives grace himself. The comforter we have with us, not just with us, he abides with and in us forever. The only true remedy that can soothe the deepest grief of his disciples is That his disciples would experience because of his physical absence in their greatest hour of need could only come by way of Jesus' prayers, he said. I will pray the Father. And by this, he assured his disciples of eternal comfort, and through this promise, that he will give his saints strength to keep his commandments. Jesus' disciples, his followers, that's you and I, are never left without the assistance we need. Now rest assured, we need assistance all the time. He remains with us by his Spirit. The Holy Spirit is real and present with his elect. The Comforter is with us now, right here. And be close to him, cleave to him, cling to him, treasure him always. Particularly when you have just fallen, run to him, crying for peace. He will give it. He bids us come. Verse seventeen. Even the spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive. Jesus ascribes to the Holy Spirit the distinguished title of the spirit of truth by which he declares him to be both our master and our teacher of all truth. Our human comprehension and apprehension of Jesus is weak and frail, easily distorted, distorted with natural vanity and falsehood. We need inward instruction through the work of the Holy Spirit. God is his own interpreter, and he will make things plain. As 2 Peter 1.21 says, For no prophecy was ever produced by the will of man, but men spoke from God as they were carried along by the Holy Spirit. And the psalmist could say, Psalm 25, 8 to 12, and this is a distillation. Good and upright is the Lord. Therefore he instructs sinners in the way. Who is the man who fears the Lord? Him will he instruct in the way he shall choose. While Jesus walked on the earth, he came as the one, given by the Father to comfort his own. Jesus performed every duty of his office. How do we know this? In John 17, in the high priestly prayer, Jesus says, I have done the work for which you have sent me. It can't be more plain to us. He did the work the Father sent him to do. He fulfilled his duties. Saints, you have duties. You hold the office of the common believer, and you have duties of office. Perform them diligently. Hold to him, cling to him, seek his help in fulfilling your duties of office. Following his ascension to be with the Father, he made provision for ongoing comfort. There is no end to the comfort we have in Christ. Through the work of the Holy Spirit by whom His elect are continually guarded and protected from evil, from the schemes of the domain of darkness. Jesus prayed in his high priestly prayer. He said, Father, protect them from the evil one. He prays for us and he intercedes and mediates for us even now. Our comforter is interceding with the Father on your and my behalf right this moment. We have an advocate cling to him. He is our hope. Nothing can separate us from the love of God the Father. Jesus served his office on earth, appeasing the wrath of God and atoning for our sins, redeeming men from death and destruction, and to procure for them something so wonderful, righteousness and life. You can't earn it yourself. You can't get even close. The Holy Spirit is given to minister to our deepest needs, to teach us, to lead us in our walk. Until we have been inwardly instructed by him, our understanding is locked up in vanity and deceitfulness. The world cannot receive the Spirit because it does not know him, it cannot see him. Isaiah says in Isaiah 62, verse 2, For behold... Darkness shall cover the earth, and thick darkness the peoples. But the Lord will arise upon you, and his glory will be seen upon you. God's glory rests on his people. God is glorified when we come to him and say, Abba, Father, lift us up to you. Cause us to glorify your name. The Lord's mercy towards his church is an exceptional privilege, exclusively benefiting his saints. This cannot be enjoined by those outside the church. The natural man despises illumination. The pride of man extinguishes true knowledge. That any man should have his mind and his heart illuminated by the Holy Spirit is a most wonderful gift from God to us that he showers upon each of us. From the Father, known only by the experience of faith. Let's turn to verse 18 you must think, wow, we're going to be here all day. We've only gone through three verses so far. I'm not going to disappoint you in that. (laughs) Verse 18. This verse really, really touches my heart. Jesus says, I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you. Men who are deprived of the protection of the Spirit are like orphans exposed unsheltered without protection subject to every manner of perversion of life we do know that we don't we do realize that don't we can i have a few nods here for that good i'm glad to see you listening open unprotected orphans are open to fraud and injustice incapable of self-government unwilling to be outwardly governed This is man's defect. You know why, don't you? Because of sin. David spoke of the comfort the Lord imparts to his elect, uh, that, that the Lord imparts to his elect in Psalm 10 between verses 12 and 14. I'm going to paraphrase it. He says, arise, O Lord, lift up your hand. Do not forget the afflicted. You have been the helper of the fatherless orphan." the only remedy for man's great defect is to be helped by the holy spirit the spirit of the lord and that's why david could say in psalm 51 and you know that penitential psalm i hope you also like to to hear some of the the wonderful music around that psalm i'm not going to tell you what here right now but it's a beautiful psalm. And at verse 11 he says, cast me not, do not cast me away from your presence and do not take your Holy Spirit from me. And in answer to that, Jesus says, I will come to you. By this he declares the manner in which he dwells in and with his people. In, a man- in this manner he fills all things. The grace of the the spirit is the abiding evidence of his divinity. And that now finally takes us to section two. And that has been a long bit, those just, just four verses. And the, the theology of the, this whole section is so densely packed, we could be here for the next month. I promise you I won't hold you that long. Section B, the comfort of divine presence. Yet a little while, And the world will see me no more, but you will see me. Jesus' disciples had much to learn from his leaving them and his ascension to be with the Father. At first there would be apparent emptiness due to his absence, his physical absence. But that would last only until their eyes were open and they would apprehend Christ's presence in and through the Spirit. Behold, Jesus, through the work of the Holy Spirit, is enough, it's more than enough, to quench the vacuum and to fill the void. Jesus lives, and so shall I say the words of a famous hymn. Here we see how Christ is the cause of our life. Jesus explains why he shall be seen by his followers and not the world. The world cannot see him because of lack of spiritual discernment the world is devoid of that discernment and without the gift of the spirit they will know only death and blindness pity the world and minister them bring to them the message of hope it's not by what they do or by what we do or by what you do or i do it's all done by jesus he completed everything that is necessary Our eyes must be directed to Jesus Christ and his life must be conveyed to us by faith. In this, our consciences may be convinced that so long as Christ lives, we are free from all danger and destruction. It doesn't matter what comes upon us. Let our character be built through enduring faithfully the conflicts, tensions, and anguishes of life. We may be assured that Jesus' Jesus' life would be nothing if his members are dead. He lives, and therefore we shall live. Verse 20, in that day you will know that I am in my Father, and you in me, and I in you. Now, I I want to take a little sidestep here. In Acts 5, we read some really, really remarkable facts. We read of the arrest of the apostles and their imprisonment at the hand of the high priest. And then during the night, the Lord opened the prison doors so that they could could teach in the temple the next day. But verses 38 to 40 of Acts 5 teach us something really interesting. Gamaliel, who had been Paul's teacher and who ran a most respected rabbinic school, stood up and said, Now I want you to hear very carefully these words. Keep away from these men, leave them alone, for if this plan or this undertaking is of man, it will fail. But if it is of God, you will not be able to overthrow them. You might even be found opposing God. So they took his advice. He who was not enlightened by the Spirit Yet was the agency through the Holy Spirit of the words of God that set these men apart, and He declared that they were set apart. This is the boldness that we have through the Spirit, a boldness that Paul spoke of in 2 Corinthians 14 to 17, in which Paul says, But Thanks be to God who in Christ always leads us in triumphal procession and through us spreads the fragrance of the knowledge of him everywhere. For we are the aroma of Christ to God among those who are being saved and among those who are perishing to one a fragrance from death to death to the other a fragrance from life to life. Who is sufficient for these things? For we are not like many peddlers of God's word, but as men of sincerity, as commissioned by God in the sight of God, we speak in Christ. And that's all I'm going to say about that. Let's move on to the next bit. I promised you I wasn't going to hold you here for a whole month. <laughs> section, uh, The third section, the gift of peace, verse 26, but the helper, the Holy Spirit will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all that I have said to you. You may ask, what work does the Spirit do? Well, the Holy Spirit, proceeding from Christ in his saints, continues to comfort, to reassure, to exhort, and to protect his saints. Christ, the protector of his disciples, as he dwelt in the world and afterwards, he committed them to the protection, guardianship, and instruction of the Spirit. The Holy Spirit is our guardian in life and also in death. You know Heidelberg Catechism, question one, what is your only comfort in life and in death? The Holy Spirit. Well, read the Catechism. It's a little more extensive than that. There is nothing improper in inferring from this passage a distinction of persons, for there must be some peculiarity in which the Spirit differs from the Son so as to be another than the Son himself. We see here a profound mystery of the triune divinity, the Trinity. The economy of the work of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, what is true of one, is also true of all three persons For all are indeed one. Verse 27. Peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. Not as the world gives do I give to you. Let not your hearts be troubled. Neither let them be afraid. The only comment I will make on this text, and that will be almost the end of the core message, the next will be some gentle application. But let me read from Augustine commentary on this text. He says, Although even God, who has no local bounds to his presence, may depart from the hearts of those who turn away from him, not with their feet but with their moral character, just as he comes to such as turn to him, not with their faces but in faith, and approach him in spirit and not in flesh, but that they might understand that it was only in respect of his human nature that he said, I go and come to you, he went on to say, if you loved me, you would surely rejoice because I go to the Father, for the Father is greater than I. And so then, in that very respect wherein the Son is not equal to the Father, in that he was he to go to the Father, just as from him is he hereafter to come to judge the quick and the dead, while in so far as the only begotten is equal to him that begot, he never withdraws from the Father, but with him is everywhere perfectly equal in that Godhead, which knows of no local limitations. For being as he was in the form of God, as the Apostle says, he thought it not robbery to be equal with God. For how could that nature be robbery which was his? not by usurpation but by birth. But he emptied himself upon him the form of a servant. Philippians 2, 6-7 to so says, And so, not losing the former but assuming the latter and emptying himself in that very respect wherein he stood forth before us in a humbler state than that wherein he, st- wherein he still remained with the Father. Let's take to heart and be encouraged by this congregation. Jesus abides with you. Christ's elect have the abiding presence of the Holy Spirit. So I encourage you, indeed I exhort you, be as Elisha. And I'd like you to turn with me to the second book of Kings, chapter two, second Kings 2, verses 8 to 15. I'm actually going to take it a tiny little bit beyond that If you may bear with me, if I can get this to turn to it, I'll read it direct. 2 Kings chapter 2, beginning at verse 8. 2 Kings 2, beginning at verse 8. Then Elijah took his cloak and rolled it up and struck the water. And the water was parted to the one side and to the other, till the two of them could go over on dry ground When they had crossed, Elijah said to Elisha, Ask what I shall do for you before I am taken from you. And Elisha said, Please let there be a double portion of your spirit upon me. And he said, You have asked a hard thing. Yet if you see me as I am being taken from you, it shall be so for you. But if you do not see me, it shall not be so. And as they still went on and talked, behold, chariots of fire and horses of fire separated the two of them. And Elijah went up by the whirlwind into heaven. And Elisha saw it, and he cried, My father, my father, the chariots of Israel and the horsemen thereof. And he saw him no more. Then he took took hold of his own clothes and tore them in two pieces, And he took off the cloak of Elijah that had fallen from him and went back and stood on the bank of the Jordan. And he took the cloak of Elijah that had fallen from him and struck the water, saying, Where is the Lord, the God of Elijah? And when he had struck the water, the water was parted to the one side and to the other. And Elisha went over. Now when the sons of the prophets who were at Jericho saw him opposite them, they said, The spirit of Elijah rests on Elisha. And I'll leave it at that. This is powerful language. It's too powerful for us to deal with. Let each of us confidently put on the mantle of faith. The mantle of faith that we have been given. Let us walk in the ways of the Lord in the strength of the Holy Spirit. as we face the torments, the challenges, the conflict, the uncertainty and all the other factors that this year will bring us. Let it be a year of growing closer and closer to God through the work of the Spirit. Do not permit the anguish and afflictions of life, the torment of evil in the world, nor the distractions that come to us out of the darkness hinder our walk. Brothers and sisters, every time we stumble and trip and fall, the devil is whispering in your ear. Now you've done it. You've broken it. You're, you're done for. The Holy Spirit is witnessing, not in our ear, but in our hearts. He says, get up. Run to Jesus. Ask for forgiveness. He forgives. Come to me, ye who are weary and afflicted. Do not let life's events disturb our peace and do not let them disrupt our walk with the Lord. Prayerfully petition the Lord that our hearts may be set upon the work of the Spirit, that we may trust and obey the voice of him who bids us come, that we may experience the peace of his abiding presence always. Let us pray. Holy Spirit, Father, Lord Jesus, we ask for grace and mercy that we may receive your word, a willing spirit to follow your most wise counsel, and with gratitude of heart, may we radiate your glory in our walk of life. Keep us from evil, thus be our shield and defence from corruption, and when we falter and stumble, cause us to flee our peevish ways and run to you for comfort and protection. Amen.